here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, however you identify, welcome to the Create Podcast with Natalie Kristen and a very, very adorable, beautiful, special guest today. Uh, we can't wait for you to meet this lovely lady that we are just becoming acquainted with. Um, so first, let us tell you, if you're new to the Create Podcast, Create stands for Community Reclaiming Every Artist's True Expression, because we do believe that we are all artists. We're all here for a purpose. We're all here to live a fulfilled life that is in alignment with our desire. And our guest today is going to help us learn how to do that with so much more clarity than I think many of us have been living from. So without further ado, I would love to introduce this beautiful goddess to you. I wish you guys could see her. She has the most glowing skin, but look her up. Okay, ready? Here we go. Carrie Richardson, ladies and gentlemen, is a lifestyle designer, a trained coach, and the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of What Your Clutter Is Trying To Tell You. That's right. We're talking about clutter, friends, and not the way you might think. She also has a new book called From Clutter to Clarity, which Kristen and I have been devouring. Over the past 16 years, Carrie has helped thousands of people learn how to use their blocks and obstacles as stepping stones for living their best lives. That's right, use them, we can use them. Through her groundbreaking clutter readings, Carrie has a unique ability to hone in on the real reason why you struggle. And she can help you to let go of the physical and emotional clutter that you might have so you can use this knowledge to heal any area of your life that you've been struggling with for any amount of time. She offers online courses. She hosts an international online membership community called Clutter Clear Your Life. She works with a small group of private clients who are so tired of playing small and eager to live a big, big life. And she's here with us today. Where does she have time for it? But she does. Ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Richardson. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We yeah. are so happy to have you live from your tiny house and i am i am overwhelmed with the fact that you live in a tiny house and it's so cute oh thank you we built it ourselves um yeah 240 square feet it's been challenging in a pandemic i will say that it's just about (laughs) done us in yeah but um but yeah (laughs) I couldn't believe that because so many, uh, you know, I, I've been a New Yorker for the last 10 years. Kristen lives in New York. We're, we're used to a tiny apartment, but uh, your apartment is really like <laughs> takes it to tiny. the next level. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, though, but it has like ev- it has everything you need. I mean, I have the most beautiful shower. Believe it or not, it's big, beautifully tiled like I designed it myself. The, it's got a kitchen where I can cook everything. It's got an office slash living room slash guest room um, and a bedroom up in the loft. And really, it's just like it, it's living function over form, although it's cute, too. So Carrie, cute. I have to tell you, I was so moved by your book because I am a girl who grew up in a house where there was clutter. So mm. growing up, I saw clutter and I have as as I've become an adult this deep desire to be like I will do it differently I will do it differently and I'm so curious where your interest in clutter and organization came from you know it's so funny because I'm the youngest of seven kids let's say that so you can picture the house I grew up in um it's it's not that it was cluttered there was just a lot of us and with a lot of us comes a lot of stuff And so while it wasn't a messy cluttered house, there was just belongings everywhere. So like 
you go into the hall closet to get your shoes and you're digging through a mountain of shoes. And it's like, no matter how many times my mother would try to organize them, it just didn't happen. We'd just open the door and throw the shoes in. Um, so I knew from a young age that I thrive with visual clarity. So when I have visual clarity around me, um, when I have an environment that feels like it really nurtures me in the, the way that I like to be nurtured, some people love to be nurtured with a lot of knickknacks and cozy little pillows and blankets and stuff, and that's fantastic. Other people feel nurtured in stark white spaces with a single bud vase and a flower in it, you know, it's whatever floats your boat. Um, so when I got into coaching um, and I started to work with clients, helping them get from where they are to where they want to be, the concepts in coaching are really kind of ambiguous. and They can be really hard to wrap your hands around. So I started to frame the conversations in terms of clutter. because so I thought everyone, no one likes clutter. Everyone wants clutter out of their way. So I just started to use that term to help people wrap their heads around the concepts of getting whatever's in their way out of the way. And um, it just got legs of its own and went running. <laughs> so as you can imagine, clutter is a hot topic. But um, so that's really where I kind of stumbled into the clutter world um, really just from my desire to help people live without restriction. It's so beautiful as well, because, you know, I think you actually say this in the book, it's amazing how intrinsic clutter is. Like it yes. affects every aspect of us and the way you describe it is actually very broad. And it's very interesting because when I first picked up the book, I thought, oh, I could have written this book. Like, I mean, I don't have an ounce of dust or clutter. And I grew up in the different house that Kristen grew up in. I grew up in the house where it, everything was super organized and clean and efficient. Um, and I love living that way. And I find my creativity flourishes that way. But I was so amazed as I dove deeper and deeper into your book. Uh, and I'll also say I am the girl who twice in my life have sold everything I've owned minus two suitcases and started oh, over and it's the best feeling nice. in the world. Yes. Um, <laughs> however, noticing that my physical space is super clear of clutter, but how my mental space can have clutter, mm. how my relationships can have clutter, how I can be a source of clutter in mm -hmm. my relationships with other people. So I just loved how you in this book went uh, that it's so much far beyond what people normally think clutter to be. Yeah, because, you know, physical clutter, which is the first thing we think of, right, when we hear that word, I find if it's not easy to get rid of, then there's more going on. So it's a symptom more than anything else. And so, you know, I kind of half jokingly call it a temper tantrum of the soul, right? If, you're, if your environment is erupting, then let that be a sign that something's out of alignment in your life. And it's like figuring out what that is. Again, it can just be simple clutter. It can be as simple as I just have to file these papers and you make the time and you actually follow through. Then it's just simple, basic everyday clutter. But most of the time when people talk about being annoyed by clutter, it's not the simple stuff because it wouldn't be so triggering. So then we get into what I call like the symptomatic clutter. Like what is this clutter really a symptom of? Uh, why do I struggle so much to clear it? whether it's thoughts, things, or people, you know, why do I struggle so much to clear it? And how am I benefiting from, keep, from keeping it around? Which is a total crazy way to think of it, right? It's like, I, how could I benefit from a toxic relationship? How could I benefit from pounds on my body? All forms of clutter. You're benefiting from it in some way, otherwise you'd get rid of it. 
And what are ways that you find that people um, are benefiting? What have you seen in your clients? Can you give us an example? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a really common thing, you know, clutter is a fantastic scapegoat. And so we will use it as a distraction technique. So a common thing I see with my clients is, you know, as soon as I get my office organized, then I'm going to market my business hardcore and I'm going to really grow it. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's get that office organized then. And they drag their feet and they drag their feet. And I know they're not dragging their feet on organizing their office. They're dragging their feet on marketing their business. So it's not what the next step is. It's what the next, next step is. So when I find, when we start with the great, let's organize your office then. And I find that they're really struggling. Then I'll say, okay, let's part that for a second. Talk to me about your plans to market your business when the time comes. And we'll start to dig into that. And that's where we'll discover limiting beliefs around money or fear of success, um, lack of boundaries. All, that's the core, what I call the core clutter. So it's that clutter that we want to work on first. Clean that up or at least polish it a bit. And organizing the office becomes a piece of cake. Oh, it's so true. I can notice that so much. Even I was like, oh, I'm going to, I was doing some of the exercises in your book and I was thinking, you know, where is my clutter? It's, it's, Mm -hmm. where is it? And I noticed, um, I like to get real cluttered with my schedule, like my time, you know, like there's never enough Mm -hmm. time. There's never enough time. I'm always too busy. The little workaholic in me that just wants to fill every ounce of my agenda (laughs) with, with, and I was like, oh, and I can see what the payoffs of that, I can see what the complaints are about that, but I yeah. can definitely see what the payoffs are. Look how important I get to feel. Look how necessary mm-hmm. I get to feel. Oh, look Bingo. how I'm too busy to help other people do anything. So I don't have to be responsible for anything, but myself, oh, I can see a lot of payoffs that's, to that. That's exactly it. You are hitting the nail on the head. So you are using your calendar clutter as a boundary. Um, you're, using uh-huh. it, you're using it to validate limiting beliefs. Um, you're using it to feel significant and important. Uh, so it's a, it's a sideways way of getting those needs met, right? So I don't want to have to tell people I can't help them. So I'll just make myself really busy. It's what I call fake busy. You know, that's those days when you are running around and then the, the end of the day comes and you're exhausted and you think back and go, what did I even get done today? Yes. You're fake busy. You're just running around. You're, you're probably running from something and you think you're running to something. Well, I do love that, that at the end of your book, you had this awesome little cheat sheet that talked about different parts of your home, you know, what they kind of represent and what might be going on underneath. And I wrote down these two that I think are versions of clutter that maybe people aren't quick to think about. Mind clutter, you know, is, uh, can be related to not feeling valued or significant. Mm-hmm. And then body clutter body Mm -hmm. clutter as fear of vulnerability and standing out. And I just thought, yeah, that's a whole different frame of clutter than I think most of us are used to thinking about. Yeah. And it, but it's really what it is because think about it, whether it's an overextended calendar or extra pounds on your body, you don't really want either of those things. So that right there is the definition of clutter. It's stuff in my life that I don't want. So if you're struggling to get that calendar in check, or get those pounds off your body, look and see how am I benefiting from it? Which at first that question just seems bananas to people. They're like, yeah, how am I benefiting from the weight? Come on. It's like, well, yes, let's, let's talk about it. You know, weight clutter is my top form of clutter has been my whole life. I'm up and down, up and down. And I can remember years ago, I had lost a bunch of weight 
and I was like feeling good and strong and like I could kick anyone's ass. I was strong. And I was in a meeting and it was a meeting I had been to before. And I remember I was sitting there and I was having trouble seeing over the woman in front of me. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I, I always towered over her. So I'm looking to see if like the chair is broken and I'm like, the chair's not broken. Then I thought, oh my God, my ass is smaller. So I'm sitting lower in the seat. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I immediately felt like really excited and proud. But then the next thought that came in was fear. Oh. And I felt vulnerable. And the word meek kept coming into my head. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm the strongest I've been in a long time. Why am I feeling so intimidated, scared, vulnerable, exposed? And I went, ah, I got it. You know, I am using my weight clutter as protection. I am using my weight clutter as a way to be invisible in this world. Ironic, right? Because the bigger you are, the more visible you are. But <laughs> um, my inner light was able to be dimmed under the pounds. Mm -hmm. So I had a belief that it wasn't safe to shine. And so I would pack on the weight to validate that belief. So I needed to, I need to peel back those layers. And there's many layers under stubborn clutter of any kind, but peeling back those layers and healing, working on healing each layer gets you to the next one. It's like, oh, I see. So then I was able to work on how can I boost my self-confidence? How can I love myself more? Um, how can I take break, like practice being bold and risking um, so I didn't need the weight as protection. So clutter is multi-layered. <laughs> Carrie, wow. I love how, thank you for, first, thank you so much for your vulnerability and yeah. just for being so transparent. That is really powerful. And I hear you mm. on a really deep level. And one of the things that you said right before we hit record to start doing this podcast is that you really help people get rid of whatever's in the way of them living the life that they want. So yeah. say someone's listening to this right now and, and there are bells inside of them ringing and they're re they are realizing, oh, there is stuff that is in the way from what I actually want from my, there's stuff in the way of my dream life, whether it's in my relationships or in my house or in my career, what's the first step? How do we start to get rid of it? How do we do that healing work that you were talking about of peeling back yeah. the layers? Yeah, I mean, so the, ver the very first step would be willing to be open to exploring what is it that stands in your way and don't settle for the first answer that comes up. So if you're thinking about putting yourself out there, you know, as an artist, as a creator, whatever it may be, if you're thinking about putting yourself out there in a bigger, bolder way, and you find that you're hesitating, just stop and ask yourself, okay, let's imagine that I followed through with this. What, what is the feared consequence that comes with it? Or a really great trick is listen to how you talk yourself out of taking action. Listen to that voice inside that says, oh, you know what? I, I'm totally going to do that, but I just need to do the dishes first. It's like, okay. So let's say we didn't do the dishes first and, and we just worked on this. Well, then I should probably throw in a load of laundry. Okay, so why are we scared? Like what's going on? What if we take just this next step? So that's a great trick is to, is to pay attention to how you talk yourself out of taking action. And the, the step that you're avoiding um, to, to move toward living the life of your dreams, another, another first place to check is, is the step that you're expecting yourself to take simply too big? Most times it is. So 
if I am approaching something that feels intimidating or scary, or if I feel really vulnerable about it, I will break down my very next step to something that I can knock out in like five or 10 minutes. So an example I often give is like, if I need to make a scary phone call, like a phone call that scares me, um, I'll write the phone number down on a post-it note and stick it on my desk. Step one. Step two, I'll draft up some scripts. Like here's some things that I want to say, just some notes. Step two, right? So step one is not pick up the phone and call that scary person. If that's something that intimidates you. So really break things down. I call them like stupid small steps. Like they're so small. It's like, really, Carrie, you're going to write, write the number down on a post-it, really? Yeah, I'm going to write the number down on a post-it because this is scaring the shit out of me. So I need to slow my roll, write down just the phone number. What this does is not only does it up your chances of actually taking action, the bigger, more important thing it does is it builds self-trust. So your fear, your resistance, your, I call her my little one, my little one inside um, gets to witness that I'm going to take her hand and I'm going to do the adulting here. I'm not going to expect the six-year-old to make that scary phone call. I, I got this kiddo. I call her kiddo. I got this kiddo. We're just going to write down the phone number. Okay, how does that feel? We're going to write down some notes about what we want to say. How does that feel? And so I'm like, I mean, I guess if you were in my head, you'd probably commit me, but I'm having these inner, inner conversations, right? Where it's like, huh, what does, what does my fear need to feel safe and brave and supported by me? So that would be, that's a long answer to what the very first step is, is to listen to your fear, find out what it's saying and where it's coming from. And then how can you reassure it? And it just feels so loving because doesn't it feel like we live in this world where it's like, who cares how you feel? Just do it. Force yourself, push yourself, work harder. And it's so um, gaslighting of self, first of all. And second of all, it's so reckless. I mean, there's a little scared part inside. And I mean, especially when you talk about, I love how you describe it in the book. It's so easy to digest and understand, but you really talk about these three types of clutter, the simple the symptomatic and the core clutter. Mm -hmm. And then the core clutter is really like the one we're talking about that's bringing up those deep fears and and those are the ones. So when you're shaming yourself to say, just do it, why can't you clean your bathroom? Why can't you get it together? Why can't you be like your mom or your friend? Or, you know, why Mm -hmm. why are you such a mess? What's wrong with you? Why can't you lose the weight? It's it's so damaging. And your book so compassionately says, hey, just so you know, when there's that core clutter there, there's 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 things going on. There's limiting beliefs. As you say in the Mm -hmm. book, there's a need for boundaries or there's unrealistic expectations and, and shaming yourself is going to get you further away from understanding any of those things. And so even if you did, you know, lose the weight or clean the bathroom, it's going to be messy again because the thing underneath it hasn't been addressed. That's exactly it. When, when, when your clutter comes back, whatever form it comes in, there's more to heal and there's more to learn. So you're absolutely right. It's um, it's it's about so much more than that. And you know, my approach is a no shame game. There's no, there is no benefit in shaming, as you're saying, right? Long-standing change never comes from a self-punitive place. It doesn't. It is very temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, long-standing change comes from a place of self-love. But we are taught to just suck it up, push through. You know, just get it done no whining, no bitching, no complaining, like just do it. It's like, wait a minute. 
you know, there are a lot of people out there who will say, you know, pay no mind to the monkey mind, like quiet it, push it aside. And my approach is the opposite because it's like, it's kind of like holding a balloon underwater. It's going to pop up at a time you don't want it to. Don't push it aside, invite it into the conversation. It doesn't want to sabotage you. It's scared. And so if you see it, if you listen to the, to the emotions under the words and remember that whatever your inner critic or inner voice or scared younger self says to you, it is always coming from a place of fear. And you'll know this, right? Because if you pay attention, again, going back to what I said, listen to how you talk yourself out of doing things, your script will change depending on where you're feeling vulnerable in that moment, mm. right? If you are fearing um, success because you don't want to put, you, if you're fearing putting yourself out there because of what people might say, though, that's what she's going to sink her teeth into. Like, oh my God, you don't want to, you don't want to release that. I mean, the haters are going to go crazy. The internet trolls are going to tear you apart, you know, whatever. Um, but if you're fear is, God, what if I'm really successful? It doesn't really feel, you know, spiritual to, to have a lot of wealth. She's going to sink her teeth into that and be like, no, wait a minute. You don't want to be one of those one percenters. And, you know, like sh her script changes to fit your most vulnerable thought at that time. As nasty and as awful as that sounds on the surface, she's really just a brilliant little liar trying to get you to stay where you are because that's what feels comfortable and safe to her. So as, the more you can show her that it's safe to step into the stretch zone, the bigger the comfort zone becomes. Yeah, it was interesting. In, in your book, there were so many things that you talked about that I thought, oh, this also applies to the creative process, uh, mm -hmm. including when you talk about the difficult duo, perfectionism and procrastination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. can, can you talk a little bit more about that for us? Yeah. Th so I, I love all the P words that people usually hate. Projection, procrastination, perfectionism, um, all of those. Because there's so much juicy stuff to learn in them. So yeah, perfectionism um, and procrastination are like opposite sides of the same coin. They're, they're buddies. And they love to work together. It's, it's Again, those are tools of our fear that thinks like, ah, you know what? I don't think it's time to do it right now. Or you know what? This is not anywhere near good enough. Like, don't you dare send this out. Again, it's just all fear. So, I mean, I, I am a procrastinator, but I don't stop at that, you know, proclamation. It's like, okay, so Carrie, what is it that you're procrastinating on? And why might you be procrastinating on? How is your procrastination protecting you right now? Because that's what procrastination is. It's just a form of protection. So again, if you just say, oh, you know what? I'm just a procrastinator. I'm never going to get it done. Um, there's a belief that you just spoke out loud and you're going to validate that belief by not taking action. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Yes, I am procrastinating right now. That doesn't mean I am a procrastinator. So why might I be procrastinating? Let's, let's imagine that I didn't procrastinate and I got it done what would come next, right? So this goes back to procrastination. You're almost never procrastinating on the thing you think you're procrastinating on. It's like clearing off the desk and marketing the business, right? You're likely procrastinating on the next, next step. So don't think about what comes next. Think about what comes after that. That's what you're procrastinating on. 
So same thing with like the clearing the desk and marketing the business or, you know, when I was writing this second book, I was procrastinating big time. It was like, Carrie, come on. Like, cause I had all this chatter saying, you've done this before. Like, you know how to write a book. This should be a piece of cake for you. Like what's wrong with you? And I'm, it wasn't the book writing that I was procrastinating on, even though it felt like it at the time, it was the, well, but once it's done and I have to submit it to my editor and what if she reads it and thinks it's a pile of shit or, and it comes back to me, or what if it doesn't do as well as the first book, the first book, you know, hit the wall street journals, bestseller list. That's a lot of expectation. So I didn't know consciously that all that stuff was going on. I just thought I was procrastinating on writing the book. So until I stopped and asked myself, what's the fear behind the procrastination? And I allowed myself to explore that further. I just opened my journal and I interview myself. Like, what are you really scared of kid? And I just puke it out and see what's going on. Um, so yes, if you think of both perfectionism and procrastination as forms of protection, then you can ask yourself, Ooh, what am I protecting myself from right now? Mm. Mm, that's so powerful. Wow. And I, I also really love, and I think this was like a really important part of your book, especially I think for, for creatives, because so much of what we do, it's, it's like, as you were saying with your book, it's like, it's your heart on the line. It's not just about mm-hmm. a book. It's about your expression of yourself on those pages mm-hmm. and how you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself. And, you know, you, you talk really beautifully about boundaries in the book. And I know, you know, we all hear about boundaries and I think a lot of us have this kind of idea that boundaries are about keeping people out or, you know, Mm. protecting ourselves somehow, but you have such a loving way of describing boundaries in the book. And particularly I, I wrote down this sentence inspired by reading the book. Do I have, do I, Natalie, have the physical, emotional, or energetic space for this? Whether it's going with mm-hmm. someone to something, as you described in your book, whether it's, um, you know, well, like wh- where am I cluttering my space? And I don't have space for what's actually important to me. And that mm-hmm. can be a key to like, oh, there, there's a boundary that wants to get set there. Mm-hmm. Right. And if there's a boundary that is needed and you're not setting it, Again, the ultimate question is, why aren't you setting it? How are you benefiting from keeping your calendar so busy? Well, because if I was really pointing my time to what matters most to me, then I might blank, right? I might be able to up-level my life to a ridiculous degree, and then everyone's going to expect even more from me, or, you know, relatives will come out of the woodwork wanting something from me or whatever the stories are that we tell ourselves, right? Like if I don't set these boundaries, then I'm not going to have the time available to me to do these creative things that I love to do. Um, So again, lack of boundaries, form of protection, but yes, boundaries are really such a loving thing to do for people. Setting a boundary with someone means that you care enough about that relationship to construct it in a way that serves both parties. Mm. Um, you know, when you, when you, if it's not a replace, right? When I talk about boundaries, I talk about if you have a person in your life that, or a relationship in your life that could use some boundaries, the first thing to look at is, is this a repair or a replace? Do I care enough about this person and this relationship to put in the work to repair it or has it run its course and it's time to replace them? You know, like I've outgrown that high school friend or this marriage hasn't been working for 10 years, whatever it may be. Um, If you've determined that it's a repair, then it is you've stated, I care enough about this relationship to set a boundary. 
It's about nurturing relationships. It's not about um, shaming someone or telling them that they're bad or telling them what they can and can't do. So that's why it's often like, you know, in honor of our relationship, I want to be honest with you. You know, I can't hear you just call and complain about your husband anymore. Like, I will support you in taking action. I'll help you find a couples counselor, whatever you need, but I can't be your dumping ground anymore. That's not serving you, right? That's a very loving and but difficult boundary. Mm. Um, the other tricky thing with boundaries, which is what keeps a lot of clutter in our lives if we don't have boundaries, is people think that they have to be this confrontational, elaborate conversation when the most powerful boundaries are short, sweet, and to the point. So you don't have to explain like, hey, you want to go to dinner tomorrow night? Oh gosh, I'd love to, but I'm not available. Thanks anyway. That's it. Because if you say, oh God, I can't because I'm going away this weekend and I need to pack. Well, but can't you pack tonight? So then you can go tomorrow. Like you invite debate as soon as you explain yourself. Mm. It's that old kind of saying like no is a complete sentence. You don't have to tell someone why you are declining a request or an invitation. Um, you can just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not available, but I wish you all the best. That's and, it. And on that same tip, you also talk about the power of the pause, which Kristen and I love. Kristen and I uh, like to invoke the 24 hour rule, which is like, oh, I got the triggering email and I want to write the triggered answer back. And it's oh, like tw yes. 24 hour rule, 24 hour rule. I will write That's this so email good. tomorrow. Um, but you write about the power of the pause, even in terms of those boundaries conversations of, you know, saying, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know, I'm not going to make a decision right in this moment. Yeah. I love any of those kind of like quick phrases I can reach to. It's like, oh, you know what? Let me check my calendar or God, that's an interesting idea. Let me get back to you. Like that kind of like, give yourself that breathing space. I love the 24 hour rule because I've had those emails. <laughs> uh, but like really like take that breathing space of like, I'm going to take a minute um, or 24 hours and, and pause. And because our, if our um, immediate reaction is to agree to everything that is presented to us and then later regret it, there's beliefs you want to dig into. I was that friend. This was years ago. I had a friend who we would always make plans to get together. I made those plans knowing damn well I had no intentions of following through with them because I didn't enjoy our time together, but I didn't, I, I wasn't emotionally evolved enough. Really, I said I was a chicken. I wouldn't say no. So I was like, yeah, sure. It sounds great. And then the day before I would cancel and it became a pattern. And she called me on it, which I'm grateful for. And she said, gosh, I found that like, you, we always make plans, but then you cancel at the last minute. Like, what's up? And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, um, how do I say, like, I don't like that you're rude to the wait staff, or I don't, you know, I don't like, I'm, I'm exhausted by the end of our conversations because they're one-sided. Like, how do I say all this? And um, so I just said, well, you know, if you want to come over, we can have like an honesty session and we can just talk to each other. And to her credit, she came over and said, before we even begin, let me tell you some things I've noticed about myself. And she listed everything I was about to say. And I was wow. like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> She's like, good to know. She's like, I thought that might be what was going on. And I said, so I felt, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't say anything sooner. Like I was just canceling on her. So that wow. experience helped me to be like, Carrie, don't pull that shit anymore. Like that's crappy. Like be honest with people. Um, it's not easy, but uh, so I've broken up with friends in the past and it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's enjoyable, but if a relationship isn't working for one party, it's not working for either. Hmm. I love the invitation to an honesty session. Yeah. That is so fun. Cause yeah. it gets people ready too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I, I gave her the opportunity. I'm like, please share with me. And she shared with me some things that were triggering to her about me. And I was able to talk about it and say, gosh, I didn't, you know, I had blind spots. I was like, I didn't even realize I do that. And, you know, so it was, uh, it was a difficult, but helpful for sure. Um, conversation. Oh, I love that. We need to start. I, well, I was going to say, Kristen, we need to start doing that, but I mean, I feel like everything's an honesty session. I feel like we we had a total honesty session about a week ago where we were both we like did. crying. Yes. Oh my other. gosh, we did. We held each other and cried. It was very cute. Yeah. Aw, sweet. <laughs> yeah. um, but Carrie, I think um, one of my favorite uh, takeaways, um, and there were many, but I love I love the this idea of your right-sized life. And that it can look different than anyone else's. You don't have to compare it to anyone else's. Uh, one person might love a million books. One person that might feel like clutter for Like you don't have to follow the rules of what it looks like for anyone else. You get to truly listen to yourself and honor what feels good to you. And your definition of the right size life, which I wrote down was you feel clear, focused and fulfilled as often as possible. Yeah. And it really, one size does not fit all. You know, there is not this one template for life. Because I've had plenty of people come to me and say, I'm so scared you're going to make me get rid of all my books. <laughs> and I would say, well, do you love your books? Every single one of them. I said, well, then they're not clutter. Because if you love it, if you need it, and if you use it, it's not clutter. So this person might love a thousand books or a hundred sweaters. This person might get stressed when she has more than five. So we each get to decide what our right-sized life is. And it, I mean, this spans, it spans it, right? It's everywhere, whether you're comparing yourself to other creators or, you know, I, my life should look like this or success looks like this or whatever it may be. It's like, no, you do you. You know, it's similar to when I, you know, the kind of template for life, like, right, you, you grow up, you go to college, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids, like, there's just like this expected template. Fortunately, it's becoming more and more outdated, and people are finding their own lanes, which is awesome. But yeah, I went to college, I got married, I bought a house, and then I went, wait a minute, while this house is lovely, it has rooms in it that we don't even use, but success says a big house, right? Um, we're spending our weekends like on yard work and house maintenance. And so like the roots started to feel like shackles and the kind of white picket fence felt like it had barbed wire across the top that I was like, wait a minute, this template is not, this may be a fit for other people, not necessarily a fit for us. And so it's like, that's when we sell the house and we build a tiny house. Um, but like life can change and pivot, right? So now it's like, okay, so we've been in the tiny house for a couple years. The pandemic has really done us in. So I thought, you know what? Now it's time to pivot again. And so we just bought a house in Maine. It's, you know, it's, it's still small. It's a thousand square feet, but it's like, okay, you know, so now we'll sell the tiny house and we'll do that. And, but there's a part of me that's like, oh, but Carrie, you spent like three years building this thing. You had struggles and ups and downs. You've told everyone that you were going to tour it, tour the country with it in tow. And like all of these like expectations that, is going to keep me in a space that is no longer serving my best life mm. because of what other people might think. And I know I'm just, I'm, I'm puking my own stuff onto them, right? It's projection, right? One of my favorite P words. So it's like, I know I'm projecting that stuff. So yeah, it's your right sized life is whatever works best for you. And for the past two years, this tiny house has been my right sized life. 
everything has its place. Everything's within reach. There's no spending 20 minutes looking for the scissors or the tape because I know it's right in that drawer. Loved it, right? Now I've outgrown it. And so this is no longer my right-sized life. And that's I, okay. So it can change too. Yeah, I love that it is uh, dynamic and it is fluid and it's constantly changing and the information that is inside of us. So yes. it requires a constant self-inquiry to what fits me now? What is my dream life now? Knowing my dream life is always evolving and the instructions for that dream life are inside. And so yes. it requires us to be intimate with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. powerful. Thank yeah, you. It really is like we get to decide and it can change. You know, when you think about, I talk to my clients a lot about crafting the vision they have for their life, right? That's a living, breathing document. It's going to change. You're going to pivot. Um, because that, you know, the universe, God, however you define it, is always dreaming bigger for us than we can for ourselves. So we can have this vision. Our job is to move toward it and be open to the lefts and rights that are coming up. It's like, oh, something even better is down here. I'm going to try this. Or what feels like a nasty curveball that life threw you ends up being like, oh, my God, this is so much better. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, so it's it, it changes. It's ever-evolving, which I think is pretty kind of cool and exciting. Oh, it's so cool. I really loved this. And again, I think, you know, no matter where you're coming into the conversation, it's a much more broad conversation than I expected in picking up the yeah. book. And I was really excited to get to know you. You tell, uh, you're very revealing about yourself in the book. And that's mm-hmm. so refreshing. It's so refreshing how honest you are, how willing you are to use your own experience. Uh, you have case studies throughout the book that really also just make it really real. Like this is what, this is what the concept looks really tangibly in a human mm. being's life. And it's really, really relatable. It's a really like easy to digest, easy to understand. And I know you're talking a lot of big concepts in here, but you really make it feel really digestible for your audience. So I really appreciated it. And I got, I got so much from it. And so I would love to know where can our listeners go to buy this book and start to understand their clutter? Yes. You can go to kerryrichardson.com and right on the homepage there, you'll see a picture of the book. You click that And you'll see that I got some cool bonuses. When you buy the book, you can get a life audit workbook that I created, a benefits of boundaries ebook that I wrote as just free gifts when you get the book. So you can go to kerryrichardson.com and everything you need is right there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, doing this work on yourself so that you could um, help give it to us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's really great talking to you both. Yeah. And thank you again for just bringing so much of your own personal experience and sharing it in such a deep and intimate way with us. Thank you. My pleasure. We'll see you in Maine. We'll come for the housewarming. Yay! Love it. <laughs> Do it. I, gotta, I have a pool and a hot tub. It wasn't Done. Out, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> Done. Listen, you say the words hot tub and Natalie and I are <laughs> yeah. there. You're going to see our cute little faces on your front doorstep. And you're like, <laughs> okay. now I can't shake them. Can't yeah. shake them. <laughs> But then, then we become the clutter in your life. You're like, I don't know how I got these girls in my life, but we need a boundary. Yeah, gonna have to have an honesty invitation for a boundary conversation. Uh, thank you, Carrie. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing or who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. 
And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C period R period E period A period T period E period community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend? 